Amen. Down from his glory, and uh, I don't know how Brother Kenny sings that high this early in the morning, but uh, thank God for it. Appreciate this, the message of the song, and the, we, we are very blessed because he came down to us. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, and maybe you received one of the outlines on the way in, and you turn with me to Romans chapter number 6, if you're able to, let's stand this morning for the reading of God's Word, Romans chapter number 6, and uh, this month course, every month this year, we're focusing on our theme, Magnify, and every month I've been honing in on one aspect of the Christian life. This month, we've been thinking about the saints of God, and so we two weeks ago, we were uh, actually the last two Sundays, we were in the Sermon on the Mount, where we taught Jesus said that you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. And those were two aspects of the Christian life, that we are to be shining saints and we are to be salty saints. So today we're going to look at another aspect. We're moving from that Sermon on the Mount to the book of Romans, which is a very rich doctrinal passage uh, and portion of the Word of God. And today we're going to talk about this matter, how God wants us to understand in the Christian life that, that we are to be surviving saints. And, uh, you know, it's, it, the title of the message this morning is Dead, notice, not, not dead or alive, dead and alive. And hopefully you'll get that this morning. But if you have your Bibles, look with me this morning, beginning in verse number 1 of chapter 6. The Bible says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What's the next two words? God forbid. How shall we that are, what's those next three words? Say it again. Say it like you mean it. We are dead to sin. The Bible says, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. How many of you are saved this morning? Okay, so think about this. The Bible says, according to what we just read, you are dead and alive. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, for the precious Word of God. I pray that you'd use it in our lives and help us to accept some things that we clearly see as we look at these four verses from Romans chapter number 6, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing. You know, I grew up in my life, and, and I know I don't look like it. I was never really that good at it, but I enjoyed playing sports. Um, you know, I was always on many teams, played many different kinds of sports. I was never the star on any of the teams, but I always enjoyed putting on the uniform. I always enjoyed having an opportunity to bat or uh, snap a football or whatever it might be, but one of the things that as I've grown older now, I, I'm just an armchair quarterback now. 
Uh, some of you might know what that is. Uh, you know, there's everybody wants to manage and control the game from their living room with the remote, you know, and tell everybody how it's done. But I enjoy watching a game, and a lot of times what happens is that the competition, whatever sport it may be, is progressing along, and somewhere in the game or during the competition, it becomes lopsided, one-sided. One team seems like it is overpowering or uh, dominating the other team, but then all of a sudden, something happens, and it changes everything. I love to see that happen. I've all, I guess I've always kind of been a, uh, a type of a person that roots for uh, the underdog, you know, the team that no one else is rooting for. And, and so when, when something happens to alter what's going on, I would simply call it this, a game changer. Now, what is a game changer? There in your notes, if you notice, it says it's an event that affects a significant shift in the current manner of doing or thinking about something. It's altering the way things are done. A newly introduced factor that changes an existing situation. Do you want to know from, uh, from the world we live in as Christians what the greatest game changer ever was when Jesus rose from the dead? That's the, that's the greatest game changer there ever was. And the outcome of that is just there are so many wonderful things for us because of what Jesus did for us. And as we consider what the Lord has done for us, the Bible tells us that we who are in Christ, in other words, we're saved, that we are to walk in the newness of life. Now, the newness of life is literally talking about a renewal of life. Because when you got saved, look, you were alive physically before you got saved, right? Are you alive today? Some of you are, I can tell. But understand that it's not like we physically died and came back from the dead, but the Bible says we who are in Christ, that now that we are in Christ, we are to walk in the newness of life. It's a wonderful thought here this morning, again, going along with this that we are dead and alive. Now, in Romans chapter number 6, Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he gives detailed instructions on how we are to live in Christ. A lot of Christians, maybe not you, I've known many over the years, they get saved, but they don't really know how to live in Christ. They don't really understand. Now, some of that is because they've never been taught they're, the Bible uses the word they're ignorant of, and again, that's, that's biblical illiteracy, but that's the whole purpose behind the church, and of course, the Holy Spirit of God will help us to grow and to understand the ways of God, how we are to walk in the newness of life, and Paul's trying to help us here in Romans chapter number 6. The message this morning is that you and I, as we look at these verses here, four verses, We'll learn how dead saints should live. How dead saints should live. 
Now that sounds kind of strange, but hopefully if you would open your heart and open your mind this morning, I believe that the scriptures will help us to understand this, how that for dead men to live, there are three realities that we must accept. Notice the first one this morning. The first reality that we must accept is the reality of our passing. Say, I'm still here, I'm still breathing. You're missing it. Look back in verse number one of Romans six. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So Paul begins here in Romans chapter number six with this reality of their passing, but as he begins chapter 6, he anticipates an argument. Now, if you have your Bible, look back in the previous chapter, Romans chapter 5, and notice in verse number 20. The Bible says in verse 20, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Now, the reference here to the law is talking about the Word of God, Now remember, the law is our schoolmaster. The law, listen to me, the law does not save, but the law is meant to bring us to Christ. And the Bible says, again in verse 20, look at it, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, read that last phrase out loud, read it. All right, let's all read it together. Here we go. Grace did, all right, so if you look at that verse, here's what Paul is saying, that in the presence of much sin, there is much more grace. Now, here's the argument, because when you look at this, Paul is actually giving us a picture here. If you can kind of picture this in your mind of a sinner that is crushed under a pile of sin. He has all this sin piled on top of him, but now in Jesus. In other words, coming to Christ, this sinner that was under the pile of sin is made to now stand on the mountain of God's grace, no longer under that pile of sin. So the argument in verse number one, look at it again. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound. So if I could word it this way, the argument for some, and I hope it's not you today, here's what some people will say is that if grace comes as a result of sin, then shouldn't we just sin more so that we can get more grace? Now, doesn't that sound ridiculous? But you know, there are many Christian saints who actually live with that sad philosophy that the more I do wrong, the more God's grace He will give to me. And Paul says again, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? I mean, look, no doubt, uh, you know, you said this morning, I'm saved. I know that I'm saved. There are many that have put their faith in Christ and they understand salvation is eternal. You cannot lose your salvation. They know that, uh, that, that they are saved, and they know they're eternally secure. But the problem is, because they have this faulty, flawed view 
of the grace of God, they are living far below God's standard for their lives. They, they, look, they know that if they do something wrong, that they can repent of their sin at any time. They know 1 John 1, 9 is in the Bible, that if we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But can I say this morning that this is a very dangerous way to live your Christian life, to think, well, look, I can just go on sinning, go, go on doing what I want, but I understand that if I do, God's going to give me more grace. The reality is, is if that is part of your thought process, then really one of two things may be true of you this morning. One is maybe you're not really saved. You never have trusted Christ as your Savior, and that may be the reason that you can just go on sinning. Now, I'm not here this morning to cause anyone to doubt their salvation, but somebody that will just continue in sin, that may be the case. And I hope and pray that everyone that's here or listening this morning does know Christ as their Savior. Now, if that's not true, then the other thing could be that maybe you're doing what you're doing because you don't care about what your life says about Jesus. Because your life, if you're saved, you are in Christ. And we need to understand this new relationship. And when we have faulty thinking, and that's what our mindset is, then what it does is it places us on very perilous ground. The truth is, if we're not saved, you're in danger of hell, according to the Word of God. And if you are saved, you're going to stand to face the chastisement of God. Because the Bible says, whom God loves, He chastens. So when we look in Romans chapter number 6, and we see how Paul begins this passage with this argument that he anticipates, can I say this morning that you and I need to make sure that we're not living under some false, flawed idea of the Christian life. And so he anticipates an argument. But notice, he then gives an answer to this argument. Look at verse number two. He begins with those two words you said, God forbid. In other words, there's no way. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? If we're really dead to sin, how can we continue to live in sin? Paul uses death here as really a, uh, a likeness of the Christian life. In other words, we, while we are in Christ, and if we are this morning, we are, according to the Word of God, we are more alive than we've ever been. But at the same time, although we're alive in Christ, we are dead. We are dead and alive. See, when death touches a body, a physical body, it changes everything immediately. For instance, physically at death, all the desires that that body had that used to enjoy, those desires are no longer there. And when you think about your life in Christ, as somebody put it years ago, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The places I used to go, I don't go there anymore. The people I used to hang around with, I don't hang around with them anymore. There's been a great change at death. See, when we put our faith and trust in Christ for salvation, according to this passage and other places in the Bible, we died to sin. We should no longer 
continue in sin. After we're saved, yes. A lot of you have probably realized, like the Apostle Paul, that even though we are saved, the old nature still craves. You know, I know what it's like to go in the grocery store. It's tough. To go up and down the aisles, even when you're not hungry, to go up and down the aisles in those Oreo double stuffs, always find me. You know? The old nature still wants the things that it wanted before. And as we think about this, when we got saved, listen, that battle that is there, we are a new creature in Christ, but that battle is always going to be there in our lives until the day that the Lord calls us home. And as we think about the old nature that we have that still craves, understand that Paul is telling us that there is also a new nature, there's a new man that is taking up residence that is living in our physical bodies. This new man is dead to sin. This new man doesn't care about sin, doesn't want sin, does not, look, sin does not or should not appeal in the least bit. Some might say that this is something that they're struggling with, have a hard time getting a hold of. And it may seem that you want to sin as much or even more than you've ever done before. Well, the whole secret behind this is simply this. You have to come to the place where you've accepted the reality that you have passed away in regards to sin. Now, here's another great verse in this same chapter, and I want you to look at it. Romans 6, look at verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Everybody see the verse? Let's read it together out loud. Here we go. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, the word reckon there, that's a great word. By the way, it's a Bible word. We don't need to change God's word, but we may need to explain it, understand it. Now, how many of you ever heard somebody use the word reckon? A couple of us have, and, and most of the time I've heard it, it's been from country-type folks. You know, they might say, well, I reckon, you know. But you know, the word reckon is a neat word. It actually is a mathematical term, and it means to calculate. So when you look at this verse, verse number 11, and remember, we're talking about that we're dead indeed unto sin. And he uses this word here, reckon, and notice again, that you reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. What is Paul saying here? What is God trying to get us to understand? Using this word reckon to calculate, God is telling us that what he wants us to do is to add up all the evidence in our lives and then declare ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. How many of you, raise your hand, are saved this morning? Okay, and you're saved because you put your faith in Christ, but guess what? If you've been saved even one day, you understand that there is enough evidence in your life that you are saved. And he says, I want you to reckon this. Now, reckon is not something God is going to do for us. God says, look at it again in that verse. He says, I want you to reckon yourselves, reckon ye also yourselves 
to be dead indeed unto sin. Notice yourselves. This is something that God wants us to do. We are to add up the evidence. We are to be actively involved in accepting the fact that we have died to sin and we are no longer in bondage to that sin. Remember the children of Israel? They were in Egypt's land. They were in bondage. And God delivered them from that bondage. God delivered them from Egypt's land. And you remember how they got out into the wilderness and all of a sudden when things got a little bit difficult, what did they say? Boy, we had it good when we were in Egypt. Who in their right mind would want to go back into bondage, go back into slavery? See, God delivered us. We are dead to sin. Are you with me this morning? So the Bible says we are dead to sin. And as we think about this, the Bible says, look at verse number 14 of Romans 6. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but ye are under what? Grace. See, sin shall not have dominion. The question this morning is this. Have you accepted the reality of your passing? Now, a, lot of, a lot of Christians... They, they love the Lord, but they have just not accepted the fact that they're dead. If you are in Christ this morning, you are dead to sin. That's the reality. And notice not only the reality of their passing, but notice another thing we need to accept is the reality of their position. Now look in your Bible again in verse number 3 of Romans 6. The Bible says, Know ye not... That so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. He begins here when he's talking about the reality of their position by, notice, the position is seen in a placement, all right? in a placement. In verse number three, again, he says, so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. When we received Christ, the Bible says we were baptized into him. As a result of that baptism, guess what? We were baptized into his death. Now, the word baptized is a neat word. The word here is actually used in, in, in even in uh, some of the everyday things when it came to Bible times, there were individuals called smiths. That's what they did for a living. Some of these individuals work with iron. And what they would do is they would take an oven or something to heat up metals like iron. They would get it to where it was glowing from the, the heat that was put on it. And then they would take that piece of metal, maybe they're going to make a sword or whatever it would be, they would take it while it was red hot and they would stick it into water. Many of us get the picture. You would, you would hear the noise coming off of it, the steam. That process is called tempering. And when they temper something, the whole purpose behind it is it's stronger after it's been tempered. Well, the analogy here is that we have been baptized into Jesus Christ. 
I don't know if you see the picture here this morning. The word baptize, the word baptizo, is, as somebody put, it's the introduction or the placing of a person or a thing into a new environment, just like that iron into that water. It's putting it into union with someone else so as to alter its condition or its relationship to a previous environment or condition. So in verse 3, when Paul is writing here to those Christians in Rome that are struggling because they haven't accepted the, 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 the passing that they are dead to sin, he uses the word baptized in verse number 3. Now, again, when you see it, he says many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Now, this is something that we cannot do ourselves. It is actually the act of God. God is the one that baptized us. Now, certainly this can be used for water baptism or believer's baptism, but here it is actually introducing a believer into a vital union with Jesus Christ in order that that believer might have the power of his sinful nature broken and the divine nature implanted through his identification with Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection. Recently, I talked to a man uh, last week, I guess it was, and, and uh, he was asking me about baptism. He, he gave me this testimony that he knows Christ as his Savior, and he began to ask me about baptism, and I began to explain to him about baptism. And as we started to go through this, one of the illustrations that I used was I said, do you know in the Bible the story about Jesus going to Calvary, Golgotha? The Bible says there were three people that were on crosses. I said, do you remember who the two individuals on the sides were? And he said, well, yeah, he said they were thieves. And I said, yeah, the Bible uses the word malefactors. I said, I could use another word, they were sinners. I said, the truth is, we're all sinners, every last one of us, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I said, do you remember who was hanging on that middle cross? And he said, yeah, Jesus was. And I said, you're right. And I said, the guy that was hanging on one side, I said, do you remember how he began to kind of rail on Jesus? He kind of was mocking Jesus, and he said, if you are the Son of God, why don't you get us down from these crosses? And We all know Jesus could have. He had the power to do that. But I said, do you remember the other thief? Do you remember what he asked the Lord? And the guy said to me, he said, yeah. He said, I think it was something like, Lord, remember me when thou goest into paradise. And I said, that's pretty good. I said, I didn't know how much Bible knowledge he had. And he was right about it. And I said, do you remember what Jesus' answer to him was? And he said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Jesus didn't say when you clean up your act or you join a church or you go through some baptismal pool or you live a good life. You see, it was his faith that brought about his salvation. He hung on the cross next to Jesus, but he was saved. You think about you and I. We're sinners. 
God saved us in the cesspool of sin. He picked me up out of the miry clay, set my feet upon the rock, established my goings. God saved us in our sin. And I said to that man, I said, so did he have to get baptized to go to heaven? And the guy says, well, no. I said, the truth is, for all we know, he died. He stepped into eternity. He never had an opportunity to be baptized. I said, so baptism is not salvation. Now, there are religions today that teach that, that if a baby is baptized, well, the baby doesn't even understand they're a sinner. There's no salvation there. But I said, the thing is, is that when somebody is baptized, what happens is they're identifying their life with Jesus. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. And I explained that to him. In other words, it's the altering of the condition and the relationship of that sinner with regards to his previous state and environment bringing him into a new environment, thus the kingdom of God. Folks, that's what I call a game changer. Is God is the one that he is the one that baptizes us into Christ Jesus. And so as we look here, Paul begins to share this whole idea of our position in Christ, that it is seen in a, a placement, but notice secondly, it's seen in a participation, because ye that are dead, Colossians 3, your life is hid with Christ in God. Our position in verse number 4, it says, we are buried with him by baptism in death, that as Christ was raised up from the dead, that even so we also. So notice here that when Jesus died on the cross, all those that have ever placed their faith and trust in him, whether it was past, present, or future, that when he died, watch this, we died with him. The Bible teaches us that. But watch this. We can have victory in our lives over sin. And the reason that I think so many saints struggle and have trouble is because they will not accept the fact that they have died. The reality of their death. And so what does he say in verse number 11? You need to reckon, you need to calculate, you need to add up the facts that you are dead indeed unto sin. So we find here that we must accept the reality of our passing. If we are going to have victory in our lives, we must accept the reality of our position. But notice, we also must accept the reality of our potential. Now again, this isn't about me and it's not about you. Remember, baptizing is the act of God. It's what the Lord does for us. And look back again in verse number four. It says that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. So you look at this thrilling truth here. Here it is, that when Christ rose, watch this, when he died, we died. Watch. But when he rose, we rose with him. See, we, were, we are dead indeed unto sin, but we're alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Are you getting it this morning? 
See, when he arose, we arose with him. We are participants in everything that Jesus did. When he died on the cross, he was dying for sin. When he died on the cross, we died in him. When he rose from the dead, we were in him, and we also rose with him. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept? For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made what? Alive. You see, because of Jesus Christ, notice the potential of a comparison, but notice also the potential because of a commission. Because in the end of verse 4, notice again what the Bible says, even so, see, we are dead to sin, but we are alive unto the Lord. And the Bible says, look at it, even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. Sometimes when we baptize people, here's what we say to them. Raised to walk in the newness of life, the renewal of life. You see, I was born on September 5th, 1963, but I was born again on January 22nd, 1984. See, there was a time in my life that I was born again by the Spirit of God. And as you and I think about this passage this morning, the commission that he is giving here, the potential there is that as believers, as saints, we should walk in a manner that is consistent with the new life that we have in Christ. And since we have died to sin and since we've been raised to new life in Jesus Christ, there are some truths that you and I, that we need to know. And one of those is that we've received this command, not a suggestion. We've received a command from the Lord in verse number four, and here it is, to walk in the newness of life. Are you walking in the newness of life? Can I just say it this way? Life after Jesus should be different than life before Jesus. There should be something distinctly different. Sometimes people will say, well, how is that possible? How can there be such a difference? Well, let me give you three things. Notice, first of all, because we've received a new nature. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter 1, 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, by those promises from God, that she might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See, God's given us His nature, a new nature, a divine nature. We are, we've received a new nature, but notice we also have been made a new creature. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The Bible says old things are passed away. How many things become new? All. So the Bible says we've received a new nature, we have been made a new creature, and look at this, we are a new man. Paul says to those in Ephesus that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now when you think about these three aspects, how is it possible to walk in the newness of life? Well, we've received a new nature, we've been made a new creature, we are a new man, those things are all true. 
But I still see many saints struggling in their life. And the reason is because when they got saved, they didn't realize that their life, their body, their person, actually now has two natures. The old nature, that is, even after we're saved, and you can go on yourself and read Romans 7, (laughs) where it's really almost the Apostle Paul's personal testimony. The things that I'm supposed to do, I'm not doing those things, and vice versa. He says in the chapter, O wretched man that I am. That's the old nature. See, even though we're saved, the old nature still wants to be king in your life. But what we also must understand is that although the old nature is still there, this new nature that we now have, this divine nature, is also trying to be king in our lives. And as long as we're alive in this earth, as long as we're in this world, there's going to be this warfare that's going on in your person. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? There's a warfare. Paul addressed that to those in Galatia. Notice what he says. The flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. There's no doubt in the Christian life there are going to be many battles, but we can win those battles if we just remember the secret that we read earlier in Romans 6.11. Look at it again. He says, Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, have you added up the facts? Have you looked at all the evidence that you are dead to sin? Remember, as a saint of God, a child of God, that we don't have feet that run to evil, that we don't have hands that do the devil's work, we don't have a mind that dwells on bad thoughts, or eyes that look upon wickedness, or a tongue that can be used for evil. Look, things should be different now. A songwriter wrote it this way, and I I won't sing it for you this morning, but I will tell you what the songwriter wrote. He said this, things are different now. Something happened to me. When I gave my heart to Jesus, things are different now. I was changed. It must be when I gave my heart to Him. Things I loved before have passed away. Things I love far more have come to stay. Things are different now. Something happened that day when I gave my heart to Him. Has something happened in your life? Is there a difference? Because a lot of Christians, a lot of saints struggle because they just will not accept the reality of their passing. That they are dead to sin, but they are alive unto the Lord. Listen, if you are saved this morning, can I remind you that your body is not your own? Sometimes we think it's my life, I can do what I want. But notice what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, What know ye not? That your body, your body, is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you. Which you have of God, and you are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Listen, God says, that temple that you're living in, it's not yours. See, the former occupant, watch this, has moved out. 
And there's a new occupant that's moved in. And that new occupant is the Holy Spirit of God. And guess what? It's His temple. And He can do what He pleases to do. Because we are not our own. We've been bought with a price. Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed? I want you to think about this passage this morning. And it, it is something that I think is so true, so helpful for so many. I've met so many Christians along my life that struggle, struggle because of sin. You see, if you're still giving in, then you're allowing sin to have its way in your life. And he says, should we continue in sin? God forbid. Look, we all love the grace of God. But God is not pleased when we continue. We who are in Christ continue to sin. And understand this morning that you have to, if you haven't yet, accept the reality of your passing. You're dead. If you're in Christ, you're dead to sin. How many of you, by raising your hand this morning, would acknowledge, I understand, according to the Scriptures, that I'm dead to sin. Would you raise your hand this morning? You can put your hands down. How many of you also would acknowledge that if I'm dead to sin, I'm alive unto Jesus Christ? Would you raise your hands this morning? You see all those hands up this morning? You know what? We can have victory in our lives. But you have to reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin. Would you stand with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? If you're struggling or you know someone that you want to come and pray for this morning, the altar's open. Why don't you come and ask the Lord? Whatever it is to help you, help someone you know that is struggling. If you're not saved, why don't you come today? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you're a Christian, a saint this morning, a child of God, have you reckoned yourself to be dead indeed to sin? Some of you may not have come this morning. You might want to spend some time with the Lord where you're at. Maybe God puts someone on your heart. Could be someone that isn't saved, that they would be saved. Could be someone that is a Christian, but they struggle because they have not accepted the fact that they're dead to sin, but alive unto Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for this morning, for the Word of God, for the truth that was there. 
Lord, for those that struggled in the days of Rome, Christians living under the tyranny, people that were saved out of a life of sin like us, still struggling. God, we don't have to struggle. God forbid that we would continue to live in sin, thinking falsely that the more we sin, the more grace you'll give to us. God, help us. Help us to be dead unto sin, but alive unto Jesus Christ. Thank you for this tremendous truth this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, look this way.